when we did it from Wade, I expected, okay, this is going to be a great marketing launch. It's going to cool down a little bit. We're going to see a big spike and then it's going to come down, but it will be a little bit better than it was before that. But it spiked high, it stayed high, and it never went back down. Okay, team, we have a brand new style of episode on the Confessions of a B2B Marketer podcast today. We're going to be doing some deep dives. Now, I don't know if anyone here has ever listened to this two podcasts I've been really loving recently. One is called Acquired and one is called Business Breakdowns. And what each of those podcasts do is in each episode, either the host and a guest or two hosts go very deep on specific business stories. And I actually listen to these as I'm falling asleep. I don't know why. I just feel like there's a lot to learn from what people have actually done. And so what these hosts and what these guests are doing is essentially going out, doing all the research for you, collating those ideas and that value into an easily consumable piece of audio, which in theory is going to up-level your game in the world, in that case, with businesses. So what we're going to be doing here is I'm going to be doing exactly that But instead of just talking about business in general, we're going to be talking about SaaS companies and maybe other B2B companies that are non-SaaS at a later date. And I'm going to be breaking down exactly how they've grown. So we're not going to be talking about the other business stuff. We're just simply going to be talking about marketing, demand gen, growth of these companies. And so today we have a massive one. Today is going to be arguably one of the best bootstrapping, relatively bootstrap, not 100% bootstrap, stories that I've ever come across. Incredible company. And that company is Zapier. Recently, and this is super, maybe a a month or so ago, announced the hiring of a new CMO, Kieran Flanagan, who was SVP of marketing, I think, at HubSpot. Massive hire. And so obviously it's going to be exciting to see what Zapier do regarding marketing and growth in the future with Kieran at the helm. This case study is going to focus really on from when they started around 10 or 11 years ago up to today. So I'm going to run through roughly nine, and we'll call them growth levers. So every episode will be a different SaaS company or B2B company, and we'll cover a number of growth levers in each episode. But let's just first understand more about the origin of the company. So it's 10.20 a.m. on the 8th of September in 2011, and Brian, who's one of the co-founders, pings Wade, who's one of the other co-founders, a message on iMessage, actually. I actually have a screenshot in front of me here, here's the actual screenshot that's timestamped. Brian's like, so I'm thinking a killer web app might be something that to extend the functionality of paid apps APIs. Want Basecamp to talk to Salesforce? No problem. And Wade's like, dude, that would be awesome. Then Brian's like, tagline could be extending the functionality of the web. (laughs) Ha ha. Wade's like, it's like the API of APIs. Brian's like, I know, very meta. And then Wade is like, I love Meta too. So this is actually the origin of the company. It's so cool to get that whole screenshot. And so Brian and Wade team up with a third co-founder, Mike, to build out the Zapier MVP at a startup weekend. They choose the name Zapier mainly because, or actually it's supposed to be Zapier, I've got that wrong. It's Zapier, not Zapier. And they do that purely because it has API in the middle of the word. Wade quits his job. They actually sell lifetime access to this initial beta. This is back in January 2012. So lifetime access for $100 for 10 or so customers. Absolute bargain. Nine years, nine to 10 years later, thousands of integrations, 
roughly, like when I was doing the research for this, 50 million in annual revenue, but I'm sure now it's probably closer to 100. Um, and largely bootstrapped. I do know they went through, I think it was Y Combinator, raised that amount, and then roughly a few million, like maybe one to two million after that. Someone else can probably confirm that. But what we're talking about here is a largely bootstrap story. There was that initial fundraising at that point, reached profitability, and just have grown from there. And then the question is, how have they done this? How have they built this incredible business? We will jump in to the growth levers right now. So growth lever one, skate to the puck. Now, this isn't technically a marketing tactic or strategy. It's more about understanding where the world is going and then building something that can, I guess, intercept with this trend and add value to the people that are associated with that trend. So I have an image here on the screen, and I'm sure people listening have seen these, the images that show the number of applications or businesses in specific spaces. And so if we just take marketing technology, for example, back in 2011, there was maybe 150 brands or tools. Fast forward to 2020, and there's 8,000. And so what, I'm not 100% sure if the Sapia founding team like saw this trend, but it definitely was a trend of more and more applications popping up. And when you have more and more applications and businesses are using multiple applications, then they clearly need some way for these to talk to each other. So the more applications there are, the greater need to ensure that data flows seamlessly between them. So timing-wise, Zapier essentially absolutely nailed this. And the key learning here is if you're looking to build a company and be able to bootstrap that, then we need to understand where the market is heading, ideally over the next five, 10 years. And can you then start skating to the point so your product is going to be more valuable at that time in the future? Growth lever two, manual recruiting and pure grind. I've seen this every, almost every good company or maybe good founder that I come across. I see that in the early days, they are just grinding. A couple of examples, Manny Medina, the founder of Outreach, massive sales software company, was going door to door in, in Soma of San Francisco in order to close the first customers. Nathan Barry, founder of ConvertKit, famously jumped on a plane to New York to sell a potential big customer in the early days. And this is the same for Wade who is one of the founders of Zapier. His strategy here is basically just grinding through subreddits or support pages for applications and then finding people that are asking for two applications to be connected. For example, the one example I have here is that Wade was stalking the product forums of Dropbox and Evernote, for example. And so if somebody would then say, why doesn't Dropbox connect to Evernote? Wade would kind of jump in, give the value, like without expecting anything back. For example, we'd say, here are the API docs that you can use to make this happen. Or I'm working on a project that will make this integration for you and you would have to do any coding. He, maybe it takes him 10 minutes to write and research that message, but he could potentially get a customer in these early days. So he didn't have the brand, right? He didn't have any testimonials. He didn't have any social exposure. He didn't have a high converting website. So you have to go like super manual. And so this is what they did. And this is what I see typically when you are starting the company and you have nothing, you have to do these things that are super manual and you're like, no, I'm the founder, why should I be doing this with my time? But for the first like 100 customers, you have to be doing this. You have to stop trying to hire salespeople, stop blogging, stop working on the onboarding flow, stop posting on LinkedIn, but go and manually grind out to find those first customers. So once Zapier did have these first customers, they, they can start working on the onboarding and the payment flow. So growth lever three is build an insanely slippery slope. 
So as I mentioned, Zapier, when they started out, they paid or they offered lifetime access for the pay to $100 for the lifetime. That would have been an absolute steal. Then they actually went directly into a pay plan that was actually based on the Fibonacci sequence. It was 21, 35, 55. They didn't really know what they were doing with regards to pricing, but they did say that once the product was good enough that people could get value without support costs, they would move into freemium. So after a couple of years, they, they did that. Because obviously, if you have a free product and the support costs are intense, then you're just not going to be able to grow the business because you have to, in order to make the customers happy, you're going to have to spend all this time doing support. And so they switched to premium. And I just want to walk through like a potential case study or example of how a business would go from not knowing who Zapier are to finding out who they are using the tool and paying. So let's just walk through this thought experiment. So you are a marketer within a SaaS company or well, any business. You've just bought Pipedrive using Pipedrive to run your whole CRM. And there's this one thing that you need to happen that Pipedrive won't do for you. And that's you want to send your CEO an automated email when you win a close one deal. Pipedrive doesn't do this. So you ask Pipedrive support to like, can you do this? And if not, how can we do this? Pipedrive will then send you in Zapier's direction. So they're introducing you. Pipedrive don't get paid for that, but they're saying, here, go and use this company. Pipedrive do that because you're going to like Pipedrive more if you get more functionality from this. So you hit the Zapier landing page after the Pipedrive support team have linked you. You then go through the process of setting up that like beautiful onboarding process. You sign up, it directly like you, before you sign up, you click and start setting up the Zap. This is how smooth this is. You set that up in seven minutes. You've done that task. The CEO is happy. You're happy. You're also telling all your friends because now you're an automation wizard. You just set up this automation without any coding, but you feel like a developer. And so the hidden benefit actually of freemium is the increased word of mouth from the happy customers that you have that are not paying anything. Because they're getting a lot more value than they're giving to you, e.g. they're giving you nothing. And so that excess in value often leads to word of mouth. This may have been a couple of years ago, but Zapier shared user numbers about 3 million users and roughly 100,000 of them were paid. And so that's 30 times the potential word of mouth exposure. Now those numbers are probably a bit larger now, but that's like significant, right? So they're getting all this word of mouth from the freemium plan. And then you get an email. I'll read out a little bit from the email. I have the screenshot here. Hey, we noticed that you've reached the 100 task limit on your Zapier plan. To make sure you don't miss any of your tasks, we're holding them for you. Not to worry though, you won't lose your data from these held tasks if you play them within the next 30 days. And then obviously there's links to go and upgrade the plan. So first thing they're doing here is that they're reassuring you that you're not going to miss any of the tasks. The emails are going to get to the CEO. But then they're also putting a little bit of scarcity in there. Don't worry, you're not going to lose these as long as these tasks are run within the next 30 days. And what do you do in order to make these tasks run? Obviously, you have to add your credit card details. We can't not send those emails to the CEO because we're going to get in trouble. So we really think about what's happened in that flow. You've discovered the brand, you've been introduced by a trusted source, Pipedrive support team in this case, and Pipedrive haven't, or Zapier haven't paid anything for that introduction. The value creation has happened, you spent seven minutes and you've automated this task that's maybe going to save you, I don't know, an hour per week. Value capture, you'd then be gently prompted with a bit of social, some social triggers, e.g. they've got the scarcity there, they've got the reassurance there in order to move to a paid plan. And so this is like a beautiful slippery slope. And so for anyone listening that has SaaS product, I'd really encourage you to go through the process that user would go through in order to upgrade, go from freemium to paid, or go from one paid plan to the next and understand 
how can we make this slip more slippery than it currently is? Growth lever number four, the ultimate SaaS partnership strategy. This is absolutely massive. I think this is probably the one that has led to the most of their growth. So right now, Zapier is connected to, it must be roughly 5,000 apps. Now, in the early days, Wade would have to go outbound to these apps and then manually convince them that they should do this and then manually build that integration. And then maybe that app would advertise them, put there in the support docs, for example. But then eight months into the business, a magical moment happens and Wade gets an email from the CEO of Box, Aaron Levy, saying, why isn't Box on Zapier? Because Aaron had seen somewhere that Dropbox integrates with Zapier, but Box hadn't. So the ball's rolling. And fast forward today, and Zapier with a crazy amount of apps. And so obviously no longer Zapier are not going out to manually create these and do the manual outbound. But there's an inbound process. Apps come to Zapier, obviously, because their application is going to be significantly more valuable if they can connect to other applications. And app development teams need to focus on building their app, making their app amazing, not doing all these integrations. So I've actually been through this process of connecting Beecast with Zapier, and it was very smooth. I think we had to talk to a support person maybe just a couple of times to get the actual app like signed off. And what's great is you go through, you get connected, and you have a, when you get initially approved, you're in beta. And what you have to do to get out of beta is to, I think, have 50 connections to that Zap. And so obviously to get 50 connections to the Zap, you need to expose Zapier directly to your audience in order to get those connections to move out of beta to become an official partner and to get listed on their site, for example. But what I have here is a screenshot from their partner documentation, which is 0.7 from the partner documentation. And it's explaining what you need to do or what you should do for the launch of the integration. And there's six things here that I'll quickly run through, which is just absolutely amazing. Remember, Zapier are not paying for this. This is just all things that they will get when a partner integrates. The first thing, write a blog post about the integration like Evernote did, and they link to the Evernote blog. Send an email to your users. Send an in-app announcement like Feedly did. Promote the integration on social media like Hootsuite did. Feature your Zapier integration on your products onboarding sequence like base CRM does and add Zapier integration to your website integration directories. So what we're talking about here is multiple backlinks, multiple social exposure, which you technically, if you were to add up the value of that exposure, if you were paying a relevant business to do this for you, it would be thousands and thousands of dollars. So I've got an example of the partner page, the MailChimp, like incredibly valuable domain. It has Zapier right at the start and then it has multiple backlinks to Zapier from MailChimp on that domain. It's just absolutely incredible. MailChimp's domain actually have 80 out of 1,000 in terms of domain authority score, so that's massive. But probably the biggest and best one there is the onboarding flow. Feature Zapier integration in your onboarding emails. Now imagine if you got advertising exposure on the onboarding flow for maybe just five other paid applications that your ideal customers would be using. It's just like a free flow of qualified new users absolutely insane. And to understand why anyone would do this is because it's in the interest of a partner to promote Zapier. And so they've managed to build this incentive, which ultimately results in massive amounts of free users getting exposed from trusted sources to the Zapier brand. And remember, these are qualified users because if they're on an onboarding flow of another app, they're likely already paying for that. It's just absolutely incredible. It's a basically free attention. It's like free customers for Zapier forever. 
and it keeps getting bigger and bigger as they integrate with more and more of that. And then more and more applications have to integrate with Zapier just to be competitive. For example, like the example with Aaron Levy, the box CEO, wanting to integrate just because Dropbox have. And so it's going to keep going. Growth lever five, everybody doing customer support. At Zapier, everyone does support. Technical support is provided by the engineering team and they rotate through this process on a weekly basis. Non-technical support is provided by every other employee. So every other employee that's non-technical spends half a day a week supporting customers. Why? I mean, there's obviously a significant productivity drop pulling people out of their day-to-day work. But A, we're going to get better customer service. If a customer speaks directly to someone who really knows the business, already knows the product, e.g. someone who built the feature, then it's gonna, they're going to get incredible service. But then at the same time, what's happening is that all of the people within the business are learning from the customers. Sometimes in bigger businesses, people in the development team or people in other teams are so far away from the customers, they don't really understand why they're doing their job, why the business exists, which is to improve the lives of their customers. So in doing this, every employee is constantly reminded that this is why we exist. This is the value that we're adding. And then at the same time, having the Zapier team perform that support is basically giving product training for the whole team. The more that anybody in your business knows about the customer and about the product, ultimately the more successful they're going to be in their roles and the more successful your business will be. Growth lever six, SEO without blogging. So there's typically, or there's a big difference between capturing and creating demand. SEO sits within the capturing demand. E.g. someone's looking for the thing, they search, they come and find you, they buy. Now, the great thing about capturing demand is that you don't have to do the job of convincing them that they need the thing. They're already looking for the thing. And so what Zapier have done is set up a vast network, 25,000, maybe more now, pages that are capturing demand for people that are looking for the thing. Currently receiving 500,000 organic visits monthly. And the strategy is pretty simple. For every tool they integrate with, they have a landing page, for example, Gmail or Dropbox. For every connection between two SaaS tools they integrate, they also have a page. So they'd have a page for the Gmail and HubSpot CRM integration. And then for every specific task that a tool that could be connected between two tools, they also have a specific page. For example, the connection between or the zap that if a new email comes into a Gmail account and we need to update the contact in HubSpot, that specific zap has a page. So they have a page for every app they integrate with, for every connection between two apps, and then for every zap, which is a specific task between two apps, if that makes sense. Now, not only do they have pages, but they have extremely well-optimized pages. So these are long, they have the text, they even have interactive elements on that page where people can actually start to build a zap before they've even created an account. Now, Google loves that stuff because Google are looking for, they're basically asking themselves, is this page getting interaction? Is the user enjoying this page? And so if you can get people to actually do stuff on your page, it's going to rank higher. There's very clear breadcrumbs for navigation. There's a very simple data structure we just discussed. And it gets even better. Like, obviously having these pages is great, but the process for these pages being built, we've already discussed in Growth Lever 4. Vapor are no longer manually building these integrations. People are coming into them. So I'm sure that as a new integration comes in and they get approved, there'll be automated tasks internally within Zapier for the content team to start just constructing these pages. But the great thing is that these pages are very templated. And so the amount of work that it's going to take the content team to get all these new pages live for those integrations is probably pretty minimal. They just have to insert 
a description about the tool, a description about the app, etc. So what they've essentially built is this machine which is pumping out super high-value SEO pages for every single new connection or for new partnership that they have. And this is resulting in that over 500,000 monthly organic visits with roughly 25,000 pages. It is incredible. And again, remember, people coming onto these pages is essentially free. The cost to produce these pages is minimal. And people coming to these pages and signing up, the, the acquisition cost of those customers has got to be significantly low. I guess you have to pay for the content team. You have some web server costs, but it really isn't that significant. Next up, Growth Lever 7, blog posts as advertising. Now, this is a strategy that not everybody can get away with. The only other company that I've seen do this effectively are Ahrefs, where we have blog posts that add value, but also advertise the product. So let's jump into this. As we've discussed, Zapier are currently sitting at 500,000 organic sessions per month. And the question is, what's driving this massive amount of organic traffic? Obviously, in the previous growth lever, we talked about those integration landing pages. But actually, if you look at the top 10 organic posts that are bringing that traffic, roughly 70% of them are from list posts. Let's call this the best apps series. So Zapier have collated lists the best apps in specific niches, best to-do list apps, best screen capture tools, best URL shorteners. And so these posts have very high volume. And if you get your domain authority up high enough, as Zapier have been able to do, as we've discussed through backlinks from people like MailChimp, because they have the integration, then they can rank for these terms. So let's dig into specifically one of these. So the 11 best to-do list apps. So I bet if you were to Google best to-do list apps, Zapier are going to be coming on the first page. This was getting roughly 20,000, 27,000 organic sessions per month. So let's try to understand why. First, the post is the perfect length, about 3,600 words, which is what Google likes, above 2,000. They're continually refreshing this. It was published in 2017. It was been updated in 18, 19, and 2020. We have some long-term subheadings. So Zapier have analyzed all these apps, put them into different categories, and then label those sections with longer tail keywords, which will drive better or more specific search terms. For example, if you were to Google best to-do lives apps with Google, we're also going to be ranking for that term. Now, that's all good. This is how you rank those posts. Nothing too crazy, right? But the next thing that they do, which is awesome, is that for each app that they mention, they're putting CTAs to zaps. So after they're talking about, for example, Microsoft to-do, they're saying that Microsoft to-do integrates with Zapier and they'll put in the little embeds which show the exact connections or the exact tasks that this app can do. And then you just click that button and you'll be taken straight to the page where you can integrate Microsoft to do and set up that app in a few clicks. So very, very smooth. So the real takeaway here is, can you go higher up the funnel to understand what people are searching for when they may in the future come to use your product and then create the content that's going to rank, that's going to be super valuable and then can we have native CTAs in that content that drive to your product? Ideally, having a freemium version really helps here because it's just a much smoother journey. Growth lever number eight. So February 2016 now, Zapier launched a single biggest update since launching, since starting the company. They wanted to make a big splash on this launch and the launch was a multi-step app. So previously you could just connect one thing, e.g. you could when the deal in Pipedrive is moved to closed one, you can then send the email to the CEO. But what if you also wanted to send the email to the COO 
Well, you also wanted to update a spreadsheet, let's say, with that close one deal. So that would be a multi-step zap. So they wanted to make a big launch. The challenge was at this point, they'd only mastered roughly three areas of growth. So the, the manual outreach that they're probably not doing anymore, it's 2016. The partnerships that we've discussed, and then the SEO in the in growth lever seven and eight. So none of those strategies are going to be able to make a massive amount of noise for this launch. So they focused going back into an area that they have experience in, which is partnerships. How could they possibly get their biggest six partners, we're talking people like Trello, MailChimp, Eventbrite, Slack, and Pipedrive, to promote this launch? So how do we do this? And they essentially did this by selling the attention that each of those have to each other. So what Wade did is he simply just emailed his contacts there and saying, if you email this launch to your users, we'll include your logo on the landing page. And by the way, it's also being promoted by XYZ. And so what he's doing is selling MailChimp, Eventbrite, Slack, and Pipedrive's attention to Trello. And the same for all of them. He got them all to agree and got them all to email all their users on this day because they were all getting this attention on this landing page. And then in the process of doing that, of course, Zapier gets exposed to the users of everybody for doing nothing, really. And so they, during this launch period, daily signups grew by 70%, and they didn't slow down. Here's a direct quote. When we did it from Wade, I expected, okay, this is going to be a great marketing launch. It's going to cool down a little bit. We're going to see a big spike, and then it's going to come down. But it will be a little bit better than it was before that. But it spiked high, it stayed high, and it never went back down. That is a direct quote from Wade. So the learning here is, what are the big players in your space that you can convince to promote each other, and in the process of doing that, promote you? And finally, growth lever number nine, fully remote since day one. So as you mentioned in growth lever number one, where Wade and the team saw the trend for the future of the MarTech space specifically, and then build a product that would serve the customers or become ever more relevant in the future. He also predicted something else, which is the rise of remote work. So Vapier had been fully remote since day one. So Vapier's co-founder, Mike, actually went back to school in Missouri. And and also their first support hire didn't want to leave Chicago. So they made the decision at that point to be completely remote. And so everything we spoke about here, Wade knew that he needed awesome people in order to implement all these growth leaders. And for example, like that seamless product experience, the insanely good customer support and all the growth levers. So he needed great people. And he also didn't have a load of cash. Like they raised roughly $1 million. And so how could he possibly find the best people? He was based in San Francisco, but how could they possibly do that when they didn't have the cash and they wanted to remain bootstrapped? So the solution here was selling flexibility to the workers in order to pay, I guess, a little bit less than people that were based in San Francisco but still finding the great people. So a great example of this is the takeaway pizza market. So Domino's obviously had the amazing tagline, 30 minutes, hot pizza in 30 minutes or refund. And so they nailed this speed thing. And so if we understand what Papa John's do in in response to that, if they don't play the game in speed, they're not playing the speed game, their tagline, at least it was, is better ingredients, better pizza. So they're suggesting that actually the the axis that we want to position ourselves to are the ingredients. So Zapier are doing exactly that. If you go to the Zapier homepage, you'll see that they're typically always hiring and they say fully remote. And so that's what they lead with. This is the thing that they're focused on in order to attract the best people for either the same or lower cost than competitors that may be based in Silicon Valley 
in order to do all this amazing things to build this amazing company. So Wade has been quoted as saying the benefits of, of remote work also surpass just being able to get the best talent. It's also better for the environment, cost savings both for the business and for the employees, better for personal productivity and increased retention. So it seems what started off maybe is the default because they had to do it because of the first employee not wanting to leave Chicago and one of the co-founders going back to school in Missouri. But it actually became a competitive advantage for Zapier over the long term. So the learning here is what can your business, what can your SaaS offer talent that other competitors cannot? So let's summarize and I'll pull out like the key learning and the key question for you to think about for your SaaS from each of the nine growth levers. So the first is, where is your market heading over the next five to 10 years? And can you start skating to that puck now? Second is go manual, grind out for those first 100 customers. Third is what is your slippery slope from discovery to value creation to value capture? Who would your ideal SaaS partners be? And how can you incentivize them to promote you? That's growth lever four. Growth lever five, maybe consider scrapping your next CS hire and build a rotor for your team to do the support. Growth lever six, what content can you create that bridges the gap between someone searching for something that will help them and some, someone using your SaaS? And do you have to be the one to create that content? Growth lever seven is how can you insert native CTAs into your blog posts? Number eight is which big players in your space can you convince to promote each other and you? And number nine, what can your SaaS offer talent that other competitors cannot? So I hope that was valuable. If you have any feedback on the format, on this new format, please just leave an Apple podcast rating or review. You can also ping me an email at tom at fame.so or give me a DM on LinkedIn. If you have any votes or suggestions for companies to cover also, that would be very valuable. Just let me know. Let me know the name of the company and I'll check them out and see if it's worth doing a full deep dive on them. I need to give a massive shout out to the sponsor of the show, it's Hockey Stack. And actually, interestingly, when I started doing these case studies, the founders of Hockey Stack were consumers of these case studies. So shout out to Amir and team. Go and check them out if you want to learn more about attribution. Well, if you want to learn more anything about B2B, I'd go there. But specifically, if you want to learn more about attribution, specifically we're from LinkedIn ads, you need to go and check these guys out. So hockeystack.com. They have a live demo that you can jump into without even speaking to anyone so you can understand what the tool can do. Go and do that now, check them out, and let me know if you have any questions. And of course, thank you for listening.